If your relationship is more difficult than it needs to be, head over to loveandabuse.com and check out the workbook and the podcast on emotional abuse. You deserve to be treated with kindness and respect. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about in this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. So glad that you are here today. Today is a special episode on relationships, mainly romantic relationships. I think this is going to be a rapid fire episode, not the kind of episode that I normally just ramble on about one subject. (laughs) So if you're used to the other episodes I create, um, they go on and on about one or two particular subjects. But I'm going to focus on relationships today and the different aspects of a romantic relationship. If you are in one, this might be a good show for you. And if you aren't in one, it might be a good show for you because most people want to have one. Most people, not all people, most people want to have a romantic relationship because they want to share their life with somebody else or share their experiences or at least enjoy someone's companionship or company. I'm talking about romantic relationships, typically of the kind where you call someone your partner or your spouse or your girlfriend or boyfriend. And if you don't have one of those, it's always good to learn as much as you can before you do. Uh, One of my rules, at least for my life, is I have to be the best version of myself before I get into a relationship. I've never been able to do that, (laughs) but I at least try to do that before I get into a relationship. Now, I just learned to do that probably within 10 years. So as of this recording, 10 years ago was what, 2011. Uh, After that, I decided, you know, I have to be the best version of myself uh, no matter what. So when my marriage ended way back when, I decided that I wasn't going to date until I improved myself in some ways, in a lot of ways actually. Uh, One of those ways was my old emotional triggers. I had to deal with these old emotional triggers that I was carrying around because I didn't want them popping up in the relationship. I didn't want any old jealousy coming up or any old judgments coming out of me. I wanted to be rid of those and I didn't want to expose my partner, my mate, to any of that because it was hurtful. And I don't want to hurt my partner. So I think if you're not currently in a romantic relationship, it's important to improve yourself to the point where you do not carry some old baggage into the relationship. And 
I'm not saying that anyone can do this successfully. I mean, some people may be able to, but even after I worked on myself and got into a relationship, you don't realize the triggers that you have until somebody else triggers you. Somebody has to be the stimuli for your trigger. So that's what happens is when you get into a relationship, suddenly you find uh, maybe the triggers that you haven't dealt with yet or maybe the same triggers that you thought you had dealt with or healed from, uh, but they're still there because there are certain circumstances that trigger it. So if I told this to somebody the other day, if Christmas comes once a year and you've had 11 months of bliss, you may get triggered during Christmas for some reason and suddenly you have to deal with this trigger. So you may go into a relationship thinking, wow, this is great. 11 months, everything has been wonderful. And then at 12th month, things start happening and you wonder, why is this happening now? It's because a lot of events that can occur and cause you to be emotionally triggered uh, sometimes take time for them to appear in your life. Not that it has to be like a yearly cycle or an anniversary or a holiday or anything like that, but that can happen too. But you could go for years and then get triggered by something then you have to deal with it. The good news is if you have worked on yourself and improved yourself or at least are continuously working on yourself and always wanting to address the stuff that comes up inside of you so that you don't carry it into the relationship and you're willing to focus on yourself so that you don't expose your partner to maybe hurtful behavior, then when these triggers come up, you'll have the tools and resources to deal with them. And uh, this is probably one of the most important things that I learned, especially when I was married, because I ruined my marriage and I ruined most of my relationships in my life by being hurtful, by being emotionally abusive in certain ways, in a lot of ways sometimes. I was highly judgmental. I was highly critical of their behavior. I was somewhat controlling, and I definitely used guilt as a control mechanism to make them do what I wanted them to do and it's embarrassing to admit but I want to tell you this because people that do this either to you or if you're the one that does it to somebody else are capable of changing they are capable of healing but they have to care enough about the other person and themselves to want to heal they have to care about the other person by developing or showing empathy you experience empathy by pretending you're in their shoes and feeling what it's like to be them experiencing the behavior. And that empathy is going to help you feel what they feel. And if you feel bad about that, then that's a very big incentive to change. And they have to care about themselves enough to want to change. When I was in my previous relationships, I didn't want to change. I didn't think I was wrong. I knew I was right. That was how sure I was. I knew I was right about what I was being critical about or judgmental about. I knew that I had to control my partner, and I mean that in a very subtle way. I wasn't like overtly controlling, but I was subtly controlling, using guilt as a means to control my partner. And if they felt guilty, then they would change their behavior. That was my thinking. It was a very dysfunctional thinking in a very emotionally abusive way of behaving. But that's what I did and that's what happened and 
why I did that is because I believed I was right. And if they did what I thought they should do, then we would both be happy. That was my illogic, or should I say faulty logic. My faulty logic dictated that I needed to control my partner so that we would both be happy. That makes no sense. That makes no sense whatsoever. If you think that the way both of you can be happy is by controlling the other person, then you have faulty logic. Because no one wants to be controlled. No one wants to be controlled. Unless there are exceptions to everything I say ever. (laughs) There are exceptions. Some people do appreciate control in controlled circumstances. There might be a couple that is a dominant and a submissive. That is out there and people do that. And some people like to be controlled. And I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm not talking about the exceptions. There are probably other exceptions too, but I think about that one. That Some people do like to be controlled in those relationships, but I'm not talking about those relationships. I'm talking about the majority of people in relationships do not like control. In fact, I would say they hate it. So imagine you're in a relationship where somebody wants to control you, either overtly or covertly. Like I used to use guilt, and if I could make you feel guilty as a method of control, you would slowly grow to hate me, or at minimum, lose your love for me. And uh, that's what happened. In every single relationship that I've ever been in, except for this one, my controlling nature diminished and dissolved their love for me. And I'm going to guess that they didn't even know where this was coming from. They didn't know that I was causing them to feel guilty. I might be wrong about that. I actually haven't had very specific conversations with my exes on this, but we've had healing conversations. But knowing what I know now about emotional abuse and just bad behavior in general, I really don't think they knew that I was causing them to feel guilty. They just felt guilty because I would highlight things to help them feel guilty. Again, it's terrible behavior and is a control mechanism that I thought would work to make us happy. Again, it's faulty thinking. It's faulty logic. So if you are controlling or somebody else is controlling you, know that there probably is an underlying hatred in there because of the control. That's a big one, right? I mean, if you have any control in your relationship, somebody controlling you or you controlling somebody else, there's an underlying hatred in there. So think about that next time you want to control someone else's behavior or they want to control yours, that the underlying hatred sneaks into the relationship and acts in a way to destroy the relationship even though the motive is to make the relationship better. In most cases, there are some people that control because they don't care and they want you to do what they want you to do. And it doesn't matter. It's not about love. It's not about support. It's about, I'm going to control you no matter what. I'm not talking about that either. That's another exception that I'm not necessarily talking about. I'm talking about normal relationships where somebody wants to control somebody else. When you have control in a relationship, there's an underlying hatred or at least some sort of major negative thing 
because no one wants to be controlled. And when you have that, your relationship is going to suffer and probably fail. And control is one major component of emotional abuse. And that's why I do my other show, Love and Abuse. You heard it at the beginning, loveandabuse.com. And it is very helpful for people that are in these controlling, manipulative, emotionally abusive relationships because it educates you and it makes you aware of what behaviors are not healthy. Because I really believed for a long time that this control that I thought I needed to have over my partners was a healthy thing. That is not healthy thinking. I thought it was healthy. It wasn't. It's not healthy thinking. I thought I was doing them a favor by helping them to behave in a way that was up to my standards. That is very unhealthy because it's controlling someone else. It's all part of the controlling thing. So I'm going to bring this back to what I'm, my goal is for today's episode, which is sort of rapid-fire responses to relationship questions. I get emails that uh, stack up for months. They really do. They're just stacking up, stacking up, because I get them every day. There's a lot of people that send me messages. I, I appreciate all the messages, and I'm not saying don't send them. I'm saying that uh, if you do send them, uh, please don't expect a timely response. So I appreciate people that send those messages and share their life and share their struggles with a complete stranger. <laughs> I mean, the people who send me these messages, I don't know them, and they are opening up, and I'm honored that they would share that. So if you sent me a message, I am grateful that you shared this with me. And yeah, you get to know me on the air, and I guess that makes me someone you know, but it is an honor to be trusted when we had never met. So I appreciate that. I'm grateful for that. Um, but yes, today we're going to have a rapid-fire episode. I'm not going to spend too much time rambling on a single topic. I'm going to go through uh, probably two to four relationship questions and we will see how far we get and I hope to be able to help you with any relationship challenge you're going through and as a reminder and I'm going to say this again in the next segment I have addressed so many relationship issues on this show that um, you may not know that I've addressed them you may not know of some of the subjects that I've addressed which is why I highly recommend you go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and use the search field to look for a subject matter. And I would just type one word. Like if you're looking for judgment, just look up judgment, the word judge or the word judgment. If you're looking for all the obsessive thoughts you have about your ex, look up the word obsess because it's going to find all the variations of the word obsess, obsession, obsessing. And um, also click on the podcast, like all episodes of the podcast. I have put a description in each episode, and if you go to the podcast page, there's a great search feature there, and you can look up anything, anxiety, depressions, relationship, insecurity, self-worth, self-esteem, look up anything that you're struggling with, and you should be able to find it. I've talked about almost everything. So when we come back, I'm going to start the rapid-fire question and answers, and uh, we'll see if I can get to them all today. Really great to have you here. Hope you get something from this episode today. We'll be right back.
right, I just want to quickly mention the safe empowerment system for anxiety. It's rare that I talk about this product, but uh, I like to mention it every now and then because it is something that I poured a lot of time and effort into for anyone that's dealing with anxiety. It started off as a social anxiety product, but now it is for any person with anxiety. And uh, just a quick rundown, like 10 seconds of what it is. It's an audio program that contains both short emergency pods and long learning pods that help you get through anxiety moments. And uh, the short pods are what you play when you're experiencing an anxiety moment. So that is, in a nutshell, what you're getting. You can find out more over at quietbegins.com. I started a sale on I took 50% off of it when COVID started, and I just left it on there because, well, one, COVID is still here, but I don't know if I'm going to remove the 50% off. I think it's an important enough product that I want as many people to have it as possible because I know a lot of people experience anxiety, so I may be shooting myself in the foot here, but I'm going to probably leave it at 50% off uh, permanently. So um, if you're looking for anything to help you with your anxiety, if you're struggling with uh, any type of anxiety issue or, or panic attack or anything like that, head over to quietbegins.com. That's two words, quietbegins.com. There's a sample over there if you want to hear it as well, but uh, check it out. It might be something that you've been wanting. If you've tried everything else, maybe this is what you need to start diminishing and maybe even dissolving it completely. Quietbegins.com. Welcome back. This is going to be the rapid fire relationship episode. This might be one of many relationship episodes that I do, at least special episodes, uh, one offs here and there. So we'll consider this rapid fire episode number one. I don't think I'm going to call the episode that, but. What I'm going to do is just read you these emails, or at least portions of them, as fast as possible. And uh, let's see if I can actually come up with a succinct, condensed version of an answer. Again, I covered a lot of this stuff in previous episodes, but sometimes it's helpful to have a few different subjects in one episode to give you as much information as possible. So here we go. Let's get started. Number one is, today I'm writing about my relationship. I have gotten myself in a bad habit where I date someone, they break up with me, and then they want to get back together. The breakup usually comes after a period of arguments where they say I'm verbally abusive, and I know this stems from my own insecurities, like jealousy, for example. I'm trying to work on that, and I have improved my insecurities quite a bit. So basically, after a little while, the guy breaks up with me because they can't deal with it anymore, and they say being with me is like walking on eggshells, and nothing is ever good enough. However, after less than a month, they come back to me, and they want to reunite. This has happened to me about three times now. Now I'm in a situation where I have reconnected with my last boyfriend, who I had a wonderful connection with, and I really did think I love, but after five months, we haven't spoken. He said from the outset that he wants to be back with me. I love being with him, but my ego is struggling to get over the dumping. Should I move on and start with someone new or acknowledge my past mistakes that probably led him to break up with me and start fresh? We both want the same things in the future, and I can see us having a nice life if we can both move on. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for the messages. A couple things going on there, like your jealousy. I do have episodes on jealousy. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com, type in the word jealous in the search field, and definitely listen to those if you are still struggling with that. 
The other thing that really stands out is something I want to address is if you decide to get back with this guy, which it sounds like you are, that why don't you survey him? <laughs> it's going to sound a little strange, but why don't you give him a survey in the form of a few questions? I mean, this is something that a like an email list. Have you ever signed up for an email list and you realized, oh, I don't want to get these emails anymore? So you click unsubscribe. And then it takes you to an unsubscribe page and they ask, wait, why are you unsubscribing? Did we do something wrong? They are surveying you because they want to find out why you're leaving the list or why you don't want those newsletters anymore. I think the same thing can happen in a relationship that's reconciling, especially one where somebody broke up with you and they want to come back. I think it's an important question to ask, uh, a few questions actually, why do you want to come back? They may say, well, I love you and I miss you. And then after you get those answers, you ask, why would you want to be with someone that you walk on eggshells around? And find out what they say about that. Now, what you're doing, yes, you're bringing up the past. There might be some old emotional triggers there. But I think you have to get these out of the way. You have to bring them up up front, put them on the table. Let's talk about them. Because you want to know why they're coming back even though they broke up with you so that you address all the reasons they broke up with you. Because if you ask, why are you coming back if you feel like you walk on eggshells around me all the time? Aren't you afraid? Here's another question. Aren't you afraid that I'll be the same way, that you'll be walking on eggshells again? And see what they say. See if they have an answer for this stuff. I think it's important to find out why they're coming back just like the survey when you unsubscribe they're asking you why they're leaving now you already know why they're leaving but now you want to know why they're coming back because you want to know where they are if they say well i don't want to walk on eggshells again then what's going to happen if you ever hear me being controlling or jealous or insecure or whatever what's going to happen when that happens are you going to say something about it or are you just going to walk away you know you don't have to ask these specific questions but I believe it's important to establish their why and what they're going to do if and maybe when it happens again. This is a great opportunity to open up the conversation. If they act the same way they did before and start feeling like they can't share things with you and they start walking on eggshells and they're always afraid to be around you, then that is going to lead to the same thing. So this is why I think that you should mention the behavior. I mean, you said you're working on it. Maybe you're healing from it too. Mention the behavior that you did before. And yes, you can tell them I've worked on that and I am working on that. But if and maybe when it happens again, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? This will prepare both of you for when it does happen again. So you could have the conversation of, all right, if this happens again, I want you to say this. You can tell this person that. You can say, I want you to tell me, hey, you're doing that thing again. And that's what made me leave last time. They may say something like that. You could certainly say anything you want. That's the thing that gets me angry. That's what uh, makes me afraid of you or whatever they say. That would be something to establish. So this is my rapid fire answer to you is survey them when they get back into the relationship. Anyone that gets back into a relationship after breaking up with you, I think you want to know why. I think you want to know all the reasons why they want to return. 
because you need to know what they're returning for. If it's just a, a fantasy, they only remember the good times but forget the bad times, uh, which might be okay if there are no more bad times, but if you think the bad times could come up again, you need to address these right up front and talk about them so that when they do come up, if they do, then you've already conversed about them and you have an established uh, procedure that you go through. It sounds so logistical, I know. Create a procedure so when it happens, you follow that procedure. But I think it's a good idea. You know, Talk about it before it happens so when it happens, you have steps to go through. Uh, let's talk about this. Let's bring it out into the open. This is what happened last time. So let's just take care of this. And also be honest about what you want from them. Do you want them to walk on eggshells? And if not, what do you want them to do? I think it's an even more important thing to think about. What do you want them to do if it's not be afraid of you or walk on eggshells or what they said, what they say, nothing is ever good enough for you. Okay, let's just say that that's where they get. Nothing is ever good enough for you. What do you want them to do or say? Because that's what's going to happen. If that's still in there somewhere in you and they feel that or hear that from you, they're going to need to know what to do from you because obviously they don't know what to do, which is why they're breaking up with you. So tell them what to do. Like I remember my girlfriend really being aggressive with me one time. I think I already talked about this on another episode, but she was being really aggressive and uh, I was starting to feel a little intimidated and a little bit angry. And I thought, okay, I could either sink into myself and just be apologetic and say, I'm so sorry, I'll do whatever I can to make things right. Or I could step into myself and say, hey, look, you're being disrespectful. You need to back off. And I chose the latter. That's exactly what I did. I told her, look, you're being disrespectful, which she was, and you need to back off. And she did. And later on, we had a conversation about it because in the past, I would let people do that to me. I would let people disrespect me. So I finally decided that even at the risk of the relationship, I was going to say, back off, you're being disrespectful. And believe it or not, that brought us closer. That strengthened our bond because when I told her that, later on she said, I am so glad you told me that because so many people let me just steamroll right over them. And I thought, wow, that, I mean, that's the first time I've ever done that with someone. And I always thought it was better to just back off myself. But to stand up and say it to you at the risk of losing you, because I really believed if I told her to back off, she was going to be upset with me and not want to deal with me. She said, no, I'm so glad you did that because it proves to me that you won't stand for my behavior when I do that. And it's not that she was doing bad behavior all the time. She rarely did that. But there were few people in her life that told her to back off, and she felt secure that I could do that. I could stand up for myself, and it made her feel good about me, which is the opposite of what I thought she'd feel. So this is why I'm saying to establish some criteria, talk about uh, what needs to happen when you act a certain way, what should they do, how should they respond, and maybe you will get through these moments without so much uh, emotional scarring that can happen after that. Because clearly what's been happening and how they've been responding hasn't been working. They've left you. So talk about that in the beginning. Establish some sort of procedure and then maybe you can have more success. 
Thanks so much for writing. Let's get to our next question, which is this one. Thank you for putting your experiences and rational thoughts into the world. You're welcome. There are so many things I would love to hear about the emotionally abusive relationship, especially the type that you can't pinpoint, such as jealousy toward a sexy woman who's graduating with her second degree, um, okay? Especially a woman who's tired of her current marriage. Okay, so there is probably a lot more going on in that question, and um, I haven't really read too much into these ahead of time because I wanted to answer them organically, but uh, I'm going to try to pick this one apart. One of the things that you said was you'd love to hear more about the emotionally abusive relationship, especially the type you can't pinpoint. Well, at loveandabuse.com, I do talk about all of the behaviors that you can't pinpoint in emotional abuse. I mean, that's why I created the Mean Workbook. The Mean Workbook has all these behaviors that you may not be able to pinpoint, but when you see them on a checklist and you go through the checklist, you will have an entire list of very specific items that are happening that help you assess your relationship. So I recommend going to loveandabuse.com and at minimum listening to the podcast and perhaps buy the workbook to help you pinpoint those behaviors. Um, Now, you did mention jealousy toward a sexy woman, and this sounds very specific, toward a sexy woman who's graduating with her second degree. So I'm not sure if you are referring to a woman that your partner is looking at or talking to. I don't know if that's the case, but jealousy about anyone is almost always associated with your insecurity and your lack of trust. When you are jealous about someone else's behavior toward someone who might be attractive, that is often because you are insecure in your own skin and your own mind, and you do not trust the other person. You might trust them 90%, or you might trust them 40%, who knows? But if you had 100% trust in someone else, then someone who is the most attractive person on earth could stand in front of them naked in a locked room and they would not betray that trust. They might feel sexually charged, they might feel activated, but they're going to leave the room or they're going to deny the advance. That's what trust is all about. If you can trust somebody to that point, then you have something special. I don't know how many people can do that. That's a very, very um, tempting situation for a lot of people, but it should still not lead to a betrayal or mistrust if you have a trusting person. So your message tells me that there must be a reason you don't trust this person. If you don't trust this person, A, are they not trustworthy? Have they lied to you before? Have they cheated before? Have they been dishonest? Are they a person of integrity in general? Because if you answered yes to them having done something like that before, or they're not a person of integrity in general, then you may never trust them. And you may not want to trust them. So your jealousy could be justified. Not that I want you to be jealous or want you to feel jealous, but your jealousy could be justified with someone you don't trust because they did it before. Now, there's a difference between somebody who did it before, confessed, 
and felt awful and still feels awful about it and they wish they never did something like that. They wish they never lied to you and they've tried to make it up to you and they've done everything they can and they're still doing everything they can. There's a difference there. If you listen to my episodes on infidelity and healing from infidelity, you'll hear me talk about that. But I'm talking about a person that perhaps has lied to you before or has lied multiple times. If they've already established who they are and you expect them to be any different, then you will probably continue to feel jealous, in this case at least, where somebody is attractive and you don't know if they're going to be with that person or not. So the jealousy very likely stems from not trusting the other person. However, if that person is trustworthy and you've never had a reason not to trust them and they've never lied to you or cheated on you or anything like that that you know of, then we turn the attention back on ourselves and we ask, why am I insecure? And the answers are going to come. The answers are probably going to be like, well, I'm not as pretty as that person. I'm not as attractive as that person. I'm not as smart as that person. Which, if I were in front of you, I would ask you, then why did your partner choose you? I don't understand. Did they want somebody else, but they chose you? I I don't get it. I was actually surprised. When I was in my 20s, I thought it was all about physical looks. I really did. I thought that the only reason people got together is because of how we looked physically. So I spent most of my teens, 20s, and 30s thinking that I was not good enough. And I also thought that I was very lucky if I got into a relationship. I mean, it took me a long time to get to the point to realize that the people that were attracted to me didn't go, oh, wow, he has a nice body. I want a long-term relationship with him. It took me a long time to realize that. But I'm a heterosexual guy, and women look at men differently, you know, a lot of them. But I'm not saying women don't enjoy or appreciate bodies, but everybody sees something different in everybody. But the good news is when you're a heterosexual woman who wants a relationship with a man and that man finds other people attractive and they choose you, what does that mean? That's got to tell you something. Now, what can happen is you get older and you start to look different and you start to feel different and then you start to feel insecure. That stuff has to be worked on. You have to increase your ego, believe it or not. You have to increase your self-compassion and your self-esteem by uh, working on a healthier ego. And one of my tips for working on a healthier ego is just to say, look, I'm hot stuff and I know I'm a good catch. So you can be attracted to anyone you want, but you're with me. So I know I'm great. And when I do that, I feel good about myself because when you consider yourself a good catch and you know you're great, then you don't diminish yourself. You don't minimize yourself. You don't invalidate yourself. You don't compare yourself to other people that you might find more attractive or whatever. You don't compare yourself because you know you're great. But if you spend your time comparing yourself to others, that's when everything goes downhill. If I spent my time comparing uh, my looks to other people, my strength to other people, my intelligence, the amount of money I make, my podcast, the quality of it, the stuff I teach. If I spent my time comparing myself to everything else and everyone else in the world, I would be the biggest loser. I would be a disappointment to myself 
I would be unable to cope because I would see that I was uh, a failure in every respect. The comparison game is a terrible, terrible game to play. Do not play it. Just look at yourself, focus on yourself, know that you're hot stuff, because as soon as you take your focus off yourself and decide that you're not hot stuff or the greatest thing ever, (laughs) then what happens is you see other people and you feel bad about yourself. And if you're looking at other people and feeling bad about yourself, you're doing it wrong. Look up my episodes on self-worth, self-esteem, and building a healthy ego over at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. This is the rapid fire episode. I'm going to keep sending you to the right pages on my website, but that's what I want you to do because your ego needs a boost. And uh, I want you to look up jealousy as well, this person who wrote. And let me address a couple more things with your email. You said, especially a woman who's tired of her current marriage. I don't know if you're talking about you as that woman or this quote, sexy woman. Uh, She's tired of her marriage. I don't know what you're referring to, but I do know that if you are tired of your marriage, then that's an entirely different question. We can address that some other time. You'll have to write back and tell me what that's about. But again, if you don't trust the person you're with, then of course anyone that comes along is going to be a potential threat to you. That's how you're going to see it. And you're going to feel not worthy. So stop comparing yourself. And if you don't trust this person, that's what needs to be worked on. You need to have some serious conversations with this person. And you also have to look at your relationship values and your boundaries and make sure you're with someone that is already in alignment with the values that you hold true to a relationship. Because if they're not in alignment with what you value in a relationship, then it doesn't matter. Nothing is going to work. They have to be in alignment. You both have to agree on the relationship boundaries because if one of you is not following them, then jealousy is going to happen, anger and fighting is going to happen, upset's going to happen because you're on two different playing fields and you just can't meet in the middle. I hope this helps. I'm going to do this next one right after this break. I'm going to break up the show a little bit and then uh, we'll come back and fire this off. Welcome back. Let's get to one more before we say our thank yous and goodbyes. This email goes like this. I listen to your podcast often and I enjoy the content and I appreciate you sharing your story with us. I've been dealing with this man off and on since, uh, I'm not going to say the year for privacy reasons. I met him at a lounge. He happened to know uh, people that I know. We were dealing with each other off and on. I had someone and he had been dealing with someone off and on as well, which I didn't know about until I was. it was brought to my attention. I really liked him, but I was dealing with this older guy, and I was really apprehensive about dealing with this other guy. Uh, To make a long story short, the relationship isn't going the way I want it to go. He and I can't even be friends. He lies so much, and he acts weird. (laughs) At times, he doesn't pick up the phone to call me back. He doesn't respond to my messages. He is really the most weird person I've ever met and had an intimate relationship with. Although the love was real on my end, he lies a lot, and he said himself that he didn't understand himself at times. When he gets upset with me, he cuts me off for long periods of time. He told me he loved me when I asked him, This situation is so stressful, but I truly care about him. I recently told him how I felt about everything and asked if we can meet to talk. I hadn't seen him in months, and then the next day he didn't answer the phone. 
He's so rude and mean. I changed my number and I didn't give it to him because I didn't want to get hurt again. Nor did I want him to feel as though he can just come in and out of my life. I called him from another number and he still didn't pick up. This is so overwhelming. The last time I tried to leave him alone, he came back around and said he wanted to talk to me again and he thought I was the one. He can be very mean and rude. We never really spent any time together. We went out to eat twice the entire time that we know each other. Am I dealing with an emotionally unstable man? I cut him off, but it's difficult because I dream about him in my sleep and I think about him all day. I just can't do it anymore. This is draining. How can I love someone like this? Okay, that was a loaded email, but really does come down to one thing, and she mentioned it a few times, actually. She said, he's mean and rude. He's also weird, but, you know, let's not even talk about that. He's mean and rude, and uh, she also mentioned that he lies. So this is one of those relationship boundary questions again. Do you want somebody who lies in your relationship? I'm also going to guess that this person is probably on the younger side. I'm going to say late teens or 20s. Um, If you're older, I apologize. I don't mean to offend. Um, But it does sound like perhaps that you have not been in too many relationships because if you are considering or reconsidering reconciling with this guy, coming back together with this guy, you probably don't have enough references of what a healthy relationship looks like and what it feels like. I apologize if you aren't young, but at minimum, you probably haven't had enough relationships under your belt to know what a healthy relationship looks like. And because of that, this relationship, when it was good, it was great. And when it was bad, it's awful. This is another ride into the world of emotionally abusive relationships is that you could be with someone that treats you amazing one day and then treats you terrible the next day. That is what often creates what's called a trauma bond. You are traumatically bonded to someone. And that is why I call my other show Love and Abuse is because these trauma bonds form and we love the person that's abusing us. You're experiencing his meanness, his rudeness, his lies. This is a person that wants to treat you any way he wants and he wants a relationship with you. So I ask you, In your values, in your boundaries of a relationship, do you want your partner to treat you badly? Do you want your partner to lie to you? Do you want them to be mean? If your answer is no, then the answer to reconciling is no. What you're dealing with now are these obsessive thoughts that are plaguing your brain because when times were good, they were great. But you forget about all the bad times, that they don't override the good times, and they need to. Here's a trick I learned, and it's pretty interesting. It's um, an old technique from NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. It is about dissociation and association when it comes to recalling memories. There's a way to remember good memories and a way to remember bad memories. If you want to continue thinking about someone and having those good memories in your mind, Uh, then what you would do is remember those memories in first-person perspective, and that's called associated. You are basically inside your body, looking through your own eyes, having the memory in that first-person perspective. So a good example is you're on a roller coaster, and you're sitting on the front seat with your partner, 
and you're seeing through your own eyes and you're going up and down these tracks if you like roller coasters and uh, if you don't then you probably don't want to do this exercise but you're in the front seat of this roller coaster and you look to your right or your left wherever your partner is and you can see their smiling happy face and you're experiencing this as if you are riding it. You can feel the air on your skin. You can hear the happy screams, the wind, all the sounds of the, the park or the carnival. And you can smell the air. You can smell the cotton candy. This is all associated. This is all first person. And so you're whipping along on the track and you're just having the time of your life with the person that you love. And that memory is just so fresh and so wonderful and you experienced it first person. Now, take that memory and see yourself in the front seat of that roller coaster with your partner, but instead of being on the roller coaster, you're in line waiting for the roller coaster. You're still in the, the front seat, that is you up there, but you're looking at it from a third person dissociated perspective now. I want you to see the roller coaster and you two in the front seat going up and down and around the loops and ask yourself is this the same experience your answer I'm gonna guess will be 100% no you see them having that experience but you are dissociated from that event you are watching it from afar and what that does is it takes you out of the emotional state that you were in when you recall the memory. So this technique I'm talking about is if you want to help yourself stop thinking about someone, A, go to my website, The Overwhelmed Brain, look up the word obsess, because I want you to listen to all my episodes on obsession. I've talked about it in detail, and it would be very helpful. And B, I don't think I've talked about this particular exercise before on the air, but when you do the association-dissociation exercise, I want you to remember the good times in a dissociated third-person perspective and the bad times in an associated first-person perspective. If I spoke too fast, I'm going to say it again. Remember the good times from a third-person point of view. You see yourself way over there on the roller coaster. You see yourself way over there having... Uh, an intimate moment. You see yourself over there. You're very disconnected. It's a third-person perspective. You're looking at yourself over there. So you're disconnected from the entire visceral emotional situation going on with you over there. That's the good times. The bad times, I'm asking you to see what's happening through your own eyes. Have that first-person associated perspective so that the bad times stand out and override the good times. Remember a fight. Remember when he was really rude. Remember when he was really mean and put yourself in your own body, looking out your own eyes, hearing through your ears and seeing what you saw back then, seeing his face, seeing the room you were in or if you were outside, wherever you were, hearing what else was going on besides his voice and you're really experiencing that entire moment from the first-person perspective. Doing this exercise, remembering the good times in third-person dissociation and remembering the bad times in first-person association will start to cause the bad memories to override the good memories. And that's what needs to happen. 
I wouldn't often say that about most memories because, you know, you have memories the way you have memories and just let them be. But when you're trying to get over someone that you know is toxic for you or even other situations, you can do this with any memory that you have. When you do this, you start to help yourself override the good memories because the bad memories need to take precedence. They need to be in the forefront of your mind so that when you think about this person, whoa, that bad feeling comes up. That's what you're looking for. Because right now what's happening is you're thinking about this person and whoa, a good feeling comes up. We don't want that. Not for this case where you might end up in a, or you will end up in a toxic relationship again. You want the bad feeling to come up first because the good feeling is now overriding the bad feelings and making you forget about all the bad stuff. That's an exercise you can try, and I highly recommend you think about all the bad times and make them first person, make them associated, and any good times that come up, see yourself over there having that good time, and it's going to feel a lot different. And of course, I've said this before, and I, I got this from somebody in the Facebook group. They said, write down all the bad times, write down everything they did that you can't stand so that when you think about them, you can refer to your list and go, oh yeah, all this crap happened. I don't like this at all. I don't like them treating me this way. Good thing I have this list. That might help you too. So I hope this helps you. I'm going to read the last email during the final few minutes of the show coming up right after I say my thank yous and goodbyes. And thank you so much for the people who wrote those emails. I appreciate you and I hope that I've been helpful. We'll be right back. I'll say my thank yous and goodbyes right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you of the anxiety program that I created called The Safe Empowerment System for Anxiety. Head over to quietbegins.com and check that out if you're looking for something like that. And I also want to thank the patrons of the week. These are the financial backers of the show. Very grateful for Victoria, Monica, Tracy, Kathleen, Lisa. Good to see you again, Lisa. Christy, Crystal, Fong or Foon. This is one that I'm going to mess up every time I see it, but I hope I'm pronouncing it one way correctly. And Andrea, thank you all so much. I know all your names. Very grateful for your financial support. And I also want to thank Victoria for her donation. This is a different Victoria than the one I just read. Victoria sent a donation in. I am so grateful. She said, Paul, thank you for your guidance and helping me be my most authentic self and taking risk. And this is an amazing message. I think I teared up when I first read this. She said, I got two promotions at work and I'm a few days away from being eight months sober, starting my journey of listening to your podcast two years ago. Oh, and I'm also debt free now too. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. P.S. I miss your old intros with the music. (laughs) Victoria, I seriously teared up when I first read this message. I am so grateful that you shared this with me. I am so glad. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy that you started a journey of growth and healing and working on yourself. I like to see myself as someone who maybe nudged you in the right direction, but you did all the hard work and you know, I was only a part of your journey. I was a minuscule part of your journey. So for you to send a donation like that, I am 
honored and grateful. And I'm so glad you shared this story. Thank you. And I miss my old intros too. For anyone who doesn't know, we used to have, uh, boy, back in 2013 and 2014, old 80s music intros that we would parody. <laughs> so we would have, um, what well, was a good one? Like, uh, how does it feel to listen to this show? <laughs> I don't know if you know that song, but back then it was a lot of fun and it took a lot of time to create the music. Uh, but at the same time, we knew that there might be some copyright violations. So we stopped doing that and we got rid of them all. And um, I think it's a good idea not to have those on anymore. But um, I am so grateful for your message. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you for your donation. And uh, I am so glad that you are where you are now. Two promotions? What? All because you were your authentic self and you took risks. That's what I talk about. I love sharing my story of taking risks because every time I took a risk in my life to honor myself, I mean, that's even weird to say. You shouldn't feel like you're taking a risk honoring yourself. It should be just like a given and whatever happens, happens. But you should be able to honor yourself and be authentic in almost every situation and have that be okay. But it felt like taking risks every time I honored myself. But every time I did it, something different happened than I thought would happen. When I took risks at work, I thought I'd get fired, but no, I got promotions. When I took risks in my relationship, I thought they'd break up with me, but no, it strengthened the bond and we grew closer and closer. And all I mean by taking risks, and I think Victoria means this too, is that you speak what's on your mind. You tell your truth. You speak up when you need to speak up. You express yourself. You stand in your integrity. You you honor yourself. You let others know how you feel. And you know you don't do that in every single circumstance, but you do it where it matters, where you could choose to lose your power or use your power. And I think when you choose to use your power, Again, in my life, 100% of the time that I chose to use my power, it has worked out for the better. And also, 100% of the time when I chose to lose my power, when I chose to back off, when I chose to let somebody else steamroll me, or I became the people pleaser, and instead of saying, no, I won't, I said, yes, I will. 100% of the time, I felt another part of me I don't want to say die, but another part of me dissolve or shrink. I felt my power just decrease and I felt like I needed to do that to protect myself or avoid confrontation. And It just uh, diminished my life in so many ways. So this is a reminder that yes, there are risks in life, but I believe in choosing to use your power instead of lose it because you have to live with yourself and be with yourself at the end of every single day. And when you have to face yourself in the mirror every day, uh, it's a lot easier to say, you know what? Some stuff went down today, but at least I stood my ground. At least I was authentic and true to myself. And that's a pretty darn good feeling. And I know I, I can't tell you to do that in every situation because there are risks. You could go into your boss's office and say, I don't want to be treated that way anymore. I demand respect. You could say that and you could get fired. That is the risk. You could tell your partner or your husband or your wife, you could tell them the truth and say, look, every time you say that, I get angry. Stop saying that. I don't want you to do that anymore. And they could say, what? What's your problem? I'm leaving. I don't want to be with somebody like you. That could happen. That's the risk. But if you don't say it, 
what happens to you? If you don't stand up for yourself, what happens to you? I've talked about this in other episodes, and you know where I'm going. You know what I mean. So thank you so much, Victoria, again, and thank you to all the patrons. I appreciate you. And uh, if you find value in this show, if your life is changing and you feel like giving back, head over to moretob.com, and there's a few options there. And also there's the patron program. If you are a monthly subscriber to the patron program, you'll get extras in there as well, extra episodes and workbooks and videos and things like that. Check it out over at moretob.com. And I'm going to read you a couple uh, reviews of the podcast. Uh, one of them, again, made me tear up. I, I don't know where this is coming from with people, but they are really pulling on my heartstrings here. Uh, one person wrote, life-changing. I spent years in a 12-step program and on and off in therapy, and I thought I'd heard it all, but I learned something new every time I listened to an episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. Paul is so insightful. Thank you so much. Thank you. If that's what you're getting from this show, then... I'm doing something right. I, I want you to learn something new in every episode. And I am so grateful to get this message or this review. Thank you for writing it. I am truly honored. And this other person wrote, eye-opening, better than therapy, in my opinion. <laughs> Hello and thank you. I've been in therapy most of my life and I switched medications and nothing ever changed. Everything I ever felt just kept building inside and eating at my happiness and worth. Funny enough, my last therapist, absolutely amazing human being and grateful for, had suggested I read your book, The Overwhelmed Brain. And at that time, I was in a mindset where I was unable to receive and perceive the helpful information and the tools given to me. Fast forward a really toxic relationship later, I sought out podcasts and videos on triggers and emotional trauma, and this podcast showed up. Something in me clicked, and I've been listening religiously since literally changed my whole life. I'm the happiest I've ever felt. I don't recall any moment in childhood where I ever felt this happy with myself and my progress. And I thank you for this because now I have all these tools and awesome and quote stupid questions to ask myself whenever I'm in a situation. I've even shared this podcast and love and abuse with many coworkers in my family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are amazing. What an amazing review. Thank you so much for your words. I actually feel a little self-conscious reading this stuff on the air because it's like I'm patting myself on the back because I really don't have to read this stuff. I don't read this stuff to pat myself on the back. I read this to you so that you know that no matter where you are in your life, you can be there too. But it does take work. This person worked on, I think it's a her, I think this person worked on herself for so long, so many therapists, so many years, medications, and nothing ever changed, and finally the information hit, and just like this episode, I like to put as much information out there until something hits, and uh, when it hits, it changes your life. I want to just keep putting this out there until something changes your life because I want you to get to the point where you feel like these people who wrote these reviews or Victoria or anyone that has sent me messages that state how much their life has changed. And I'm not taking the credit. I put myself out there. I try to nudge you in the right direction. I give you suggestions and anything that I've learned. I don't take the credit because you're doing all the work. <laughs> you are doing what you need to do to improve yourself and heal and grow and all that. So I want to thank this person for writing, and I'm so glad that you found something that helped you out. 
You said you got my book. You heard and read the right stuff to get you to the point where you are the happiest you've ever been. And I share that as an inspiration to others in hopes that they will also look forward to that day. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that want that day. Uh, It is possible. Absolutely. It is probable. Absolutely. And it is hard. It is hard. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of stuff that I had to do to get to a point where I feel good in myself. But that took risk. That took the risk of being authentic, just like that review. It took the risk of authenticity. It took the risk of being my true self. Like I was saying earlier, you don't want to be controlled. You don't want to feel like somebody's controlling you or pulling your strings. You want to feel comfortable in your own skin. And sometimes or often that takes you standing in your own skin, being in your own skin, and speaking your truth, being your authentic self. There's a lot more to talk about on that, of course, and I have talked about in other episodes, but I hope these have been inspirational to you because they certainly inspire me. They certainly remind me that I have some purpose over here, that I am doing something in a good direction, and I'm going to humbly accept these messages. Thank you again. And let me say, finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain, and I'm going to read you that final email, see if I can give a quick fire response. This person says, thank you for your podcast and your love and abuse podcast, which I have found extremely helpful. My wife and I divorced five years ago. It's been a sad and lonely journey for me, which I'm still struggling to come to terms with. I have been trying to write a letter to her for years as a means of getting to the bottom of our issues in the hope of reconciliation. I always knew that the starting point for this was to demonstrate that I understood my part in the disintegration of the relationship and to empathize with her feelings about our marriage. However, the nature of our downfall was very close to the way you describe your, in your podcast. It was a long period of subtle behaviors that over time meant that she began to withdraw emotionally. And as this became more obvious, I became uncomfortable and sometimes frustrated and angry that she could not articulate what I'd been doing wrong. Others say to me that I'm a good provider, a good dad, I'm good looking and a decent person, but none of this mattered to her. It was all overshadowed with the fact that I was unable to meet her emotional needs. I had routinely behaved in some of the ways that you describe in your talks. They are subtle and not easy to articulate, but you do it brilliantly. I'd like to thank you because by listening to the podcast, I was able to recognize my faults. and As a result, I was able to write the letter that I had wanted to write for five years, but could never quite find the words. Following years of coldness and dismissal, she responded with a warm email beginning with the word, amazing. That was an incredible result after what we'd been through. It still doesn't look like we'll get back together and that upsets me hugely. The breakup of our family guts me to the core and I miss them all terribly. If there's any guidance you can provide on where to turn next, I would value your thoughts. Thank you so much for writing that. I am so glad that you were able to write a message that finally articulated what you've been experiencing and that your wife saw a different side of you. Because that's the first part of my answer is that in order to reconcile with somebody who has been distancing themselves from you, they can't see the same side they've seen. They have to see a different side. And I say that at risk, knowing that there are people out there that will say, oh, if they need to see a different side of me, I'll just act different. This isn't an act. It can't be because they'll see through it. Or if they don't see through it, they'll 
eventually see through it because it won't last. If you don't actually change, if you don't actually heal from some old stuff, you will eventually appear as your old self again. And because of that, even if you pretended you've changed, you will eventually go back to your old self, leading to the same results. So this person who wrote, this guy said um, that, you know, I finally heard your show and I heard a way to articulate what I'd been doing to my wife. So I wrote that in the message and she was amazed. She was probably very surprised too. She was like, who is this person? This is exactly the reaction that my wife had uh, when we were going through our separation. She started seeing changes in me that shocked her. She wasn't sure what to do with this information because I was finally showing up as the person she thought she married. And it's a strange way to say it, but she really thought I was this kind, non-judgmental, almost unconditionally loving person when we got married, but I really wasn't. That was the setup. And I wasn't doing it consciously. I, I say this thinking that I was doing the right thing and I was behaving in a good way, but looking back at my past behavior, I can see how she thought I was more unconditionally loving and supportive of her, and that certainly wasn't the case during our marriage. But when I learned about these behaviors in me, and I started turning them around, and I started feeling empathetic, thinking that if I were in her shoes, how would I feel? And it just made me sick to my stomach. I almost felt like vomiting, realizing that I had been mistreating her all this time and how that felt, that's when my changes started and it really helped me heal or at least start the healing process and stop being so judgmental and stop being controlling and started being supportive in almost all ways. But her love had dissolved already and her heart was closed, so there was no going back. But I was changing regardless. And that is the most important part and that's how I'm going to answer this email is that no matter what happens you have to stay on track and I think you know this but I'm going to tell you anyway you have to stay on track you have to continue going along the healing path that you're on because if you don't you will get the same results as you did before I know you know this but one of the main reasons I'm telling you this is you have to stay on track regardless of what happens with your relationship, because you could end up back together or you may end up with someone else and you don't want to be who you were. You don't want to be that person, which is why it's so important, even if you know you're not going to reconcile with the other person, that as you continue to heal and grow through your stuff, that you will show up as a completely different person because of the work you did on yourself. Not because you're going to pretend, not because you're going to act, but because there's true, authentic work that you've done on yourself that will help you heal, grow, learn, and evolve into this new person that the people that were in your life won't even recognize anymore, and the new people in your life will be enamored by. I mean, that's not the goal because you want to be enamored. The goal is because you want to feel good in yourself. You want to feel good about yourself. And you also don't want to be constantly triggered in your relationships. So the person who wrote, I'm so glad that your wife responded because now she's seeing a side of you that she doesn't recognize. 
And I would highly recommend that you don't try to convince her that you're changing because that might drive her away. Because what often happens if you've been emotionally abusive and someone wants to leave you, the emotionally abusive person might end up saying, and they often do, I promise I'll change. Or I promise I am changing. I promise I'm getting help. They say that a lot and then they don't follow through. If you've ever said anything like that in your relationship, then you cannot use that card anymore. You cannot pull out that card and say, I am changing. Because they won't believe it until they witness it. But they can't witness it through your convincing of what you want them to believe. They have to witness it with their own eyes on their own terms. So if she ever reaches back out to you and says, how you doing? You can act like yourself. You can be yourself. You can tell her the changes you're going through. But don't say things like, see, see all the changes I'm going through? You don't want to be convincing like that because it doesn't work most of the time. It doesn't work. And that means that she may not see everything that you want her to see, but you also won't be showing up as somebody that you used to be, which is what drove her away in the first place. People need to see for themselves so that they can convince themselves and develop a belief that they see the changes in you because of their own witnessing of your behavior. But if you're trying to shove it in their face, if, they're, if you're trying to show them all the stuff that you're going through and all these changes that you're making and they sense any type of feeler or hook, like you're trying to hook them in, they're going to be wary and suspicious and they're not going to want to connect with you again because it's going to feel weird to them. So the only way for them not to feel weird is for you to focus on yourself and continue working on yourself. And as you work on yourself, I'm going to use this metaphor, as you work on yourself, your light shines brighter and brighter. And as it shines brighter and brighter, people will start to see it more and more and they will be blinded by your radiance. Again, it's a metaphor, but I think it's a good one because as I was working on myself, the people around me were shocked and they were surprised. They thought, who the heck are you? Who are you? This is a different person. And when they saw that different person, my light was so bright because I was so focused on myself. I was continuing to work on myself. I was continuing healing what I needed to heal in me. And people noticed. I didn't get back with my wife, but I tell you what, she saw a different person. And I am so glad that she saw a different person before we finally disconnected completely. She saw that I was changing. She, she saw that I was healing. And that made me feel better knowing that that was the last impression she got of me. And I've even had conversations with other women in my life that have been in my life who've read my articles, who've listened to my podcast and reached out to me and said, wow, <laughs> who are you? What is this uh, stuff you're doing? And I don't even recognize you. This is totally different. And I took that as a compliment. I took that as a, a measure of my healing for me to be in that space where somebody that I know I should have treated a lot better uh, is now reaching out to me and, and just being so kind and saying complimentary things about who I am today. That's how bright my light became after healing, is that other people saw me, even people from my past, who reconnected with me and said, wow. 
And that's why I tell people and tell you to focus on yourself, focus on your healing, continue making your light brighter and brighter as you heal, as you move into a new space inside yourself, you grow to the point where you outgrow the old you and become a new you, a new and improved you. And people have trouble recognizing this new and improved you because it's just so different and wonderful. And when you shine like that in front of people, they want to know you. They feel safe around you. They feel better around you. They feel you as a different person. And when they feel that, that is a chance for one of two things, either reconciliation or connection with a new person. So I can't promise you, this person who wrote, I can't promise you that you'll reconcile, but I can promise you that as you work on yourself, you will stop carrying the burden of old emotional triggers and you will stop behaving from a place of doubt and fear and you will start showing up in the world from a place of confidence in who you are and comfort in your own skin. And when you feel that way, you can walk proudly as who you are and people will notice. Will your wife notice? That remains to be seen. But as long as you continue to improve yourself, your life will improve. And you never know where that leads. So thank you so much for writing. I wish you much strength and healing. Thank you everyone that listened today and everyone that wrote to me and I hadn't answered in months. <laughs> I appreciate all of you. I appreciate everyone that writes to me. I still have your emails uh, and I will do my best to get to all of them. It just takes a while. It just takes a long time. But do me a favor, no matter what, if I don't respond to you right away or if you have a question that I haven't answered yet, just keep an open mind. This is what helps you step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure and above all. And this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.